If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You're listening to Electrician Live. With your host, Paul Abernathy. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. My name is Paul Abernathy, looking all scruffy today. Here at Electrician Live, again, sponsored by electricianpride.com. That's where you get all the t-shirts, like the one, I, ooh, wait a minute, like the one I've got here, if you're over on the video stream. If you're over on the podcast at electricianlive.com, again, you can visit Electrician Pride. That's electricianpride.com for all of your diecast, uh, die cut. I keep saying diecast, die cut stickers about all the different uh, designs that we have out there. So check those out over on electricianpride.com. Again, Thanks for joining me each week. Here we are with another episode. Um, it has been over six months now uh, in this program. And again, the, the the amount of people that email us and let us know they appreciate the show, again, is, is overwhelming. So again, I appreciate it. Again, we've had some great things in the works. And I will announce that next week, I believe we have the start of a co-host. So they'll see a little bit of a look change as we have a co-host uh, next week, and I won't announce yet who that co-host will be. Um, I will let you know later on in tonight's episode, so you kind of hang around for that. So we'll be able to have good topics. Now, I will tell you the co-host is currently an owner of his electrical contracting business, uh, and uh, I've got to know him pretty well here in the, in the last couple months. So I'm excited about him coming on board. He's never done it before, so we'll get him up to speed quickly. We should have some good banter on some good topics that electricians will want to talk about moving forward. Uh, and then, of course, I'll also have some announcements of some show sponsors that we'll be having as well going forward. So I'm excited about all that. And for those that are practicing for their exams, I wanted to announce, for those, again, over-listening on the podcast, but also in the video, that we will be bringing back Wednesday nights that are open to the public. So we'll be doing some exam prep stuff Um it was uh, overwhelmingly needed to be open to the public rather than just our fast-track students. Uh, got more interaction by allowing individuals to ask questions and be more interactive, and they felt it was a little bit better than being closed up. So that's going to come to uh, back to being live again, public, uh, every Wednesday night. So again, look forward to that at 7 o'clock uh, every Wednesday night. So we'll have that right here, same channel. You can check it out on our YouTube stream. All right, so tonight's episode, we want to get into it. Um, it's an interesting topic uh, that I've had to deal with for quite a few years and when I was a contractor, and that was side work. And I call it side work drama because everybody, if you're an electrician in your career, you get the opportunity to do some side work. And you're thinking, no problem, make a few extra bucks. Okay, 
And on the surface, that sounds pretty good. And I can't say that I'm totally immune from it. The difference with me is I've always either owned my own company since I was 18 years old with my brother. So I really, uh, only one opportunity in my career that I worked for somebody else as, you know, that was a contractor. And that's when we'd subcontracted work from a big company uh, that paid our smaller company. And somebody that they did work for asked me to do something on the side other than what we were doing for the company. Uh, but there's a way that I address that, and so we'll talk about that in tonight's episode. Now, I'm not going to be the Debbie Downer. I'm not going to be the one that, that, that poo-poos on all of the side types work, but I'm going to give you things to think about if you're taking on any side work, okay, so that you can understand from a perspective uh, of what you're getting into. All right. So the first thing that people ask about doing side work or side work is, if, let's set the tone here. Let's say that you're working for a contractor. You're just the electrician that's, that's working, master, journeyman, doesn't really matter. And you're working for a contractor. So you're getting a paycheck every week or every two weeks, how often you get paid. And you're doing work for somebody. And somebody goes, uh, maybe a plumber on the site or a HVAC guy on the site or whatever, comes to you and says, hey, um, hey, man, can you do some side work? I need you to wire my garage or, or wire my you know, new addition or, or something like that, okay? And they say, can you do it for me? And, you know, Daniel, exactly, and I, I, that's going to be sooner. We're going to get to that sooner or later. But you say, okay, and they go, oh, look, man, it's really easy. It's only a couple, it's only, you know, 20, 15 receptacles at best, maybe some lights. It ain't a big deal. Okay, so... This has happened to many people that, that, have, that, have, you know, that I've had work for me and they get offered side work. So a plumber or mechanical guy or somebody else comes to you and says, hey, I got this little side job. Can you do it? And you're thinking, hmm, this is a quick little $1,500, $2,000, $3,500, whatever job, depending on what it is. You're thinking it's a quick money, time and material, or you, know, you can bid them a price if you're familiar with that. Uh, you might lose your hat if you don't know. But anyway, you say, yeah, I'll do it. Not a problem. Okay. A couple things to think about. First thing that I always tell people that work for me or have worked for me, and you might be different, so we might agree and we might disagree, and that's okay. We can agree to disagree. Okay. Um, God, I'm looking rough. Um, so somebody might say, okay, I'm going to do this side job. What, is, what did I always tell my employees? I always said this in a couple ways. I said, first of all, always tell your boss, okay? Nothing good comes of secrets. Nothing good comes of it. For example, if I get that job and I'm the electrician and I'm asked to do a side job or side something, it's much easier, number one, if you go to your boss, the owner or whatever, and say, hey, somebody gave me an opportunity to, to do some side work. I will do it on my time. It will not take up your time. Okay? Are you okay with this? You've got two paths here. He or she could say no, or they could say, I don't care. And if that's the blessing, then you go and do it. Now, a couple things to remember. That's, that's the first part. Get the blessing. Because at the end of the day, liability uh, licensing, insurance, is it worth it? All that stuff we're going to talk about. Is a side job for $3,500 worth losing the bread and butter that pays you each week? Just for that little side job, short-term benefit, how is that going to affect your long-term perspective? And so I always tell people when they want to do something, they see dollar signs, but I look at them and go, long-term, how could this little short-term project affect you long term if you don't tell your owner or you don't tell your boss then they could look at this thing in a couple different ways the first way they could look at this and go okay we're at number one now it's to tell your boss bullet point your boss could say that is a job that times are tight right now we're in the middle of covid we got you know i've got to keep paying you guys i got insurances to pay i've got things i've got to meet it's taxes and all this stuff that's a little quick job that I could have done and I could have kept you guys working. He could say that. 
Um, and so you're literally taking money out of his pocket to pay you. Okay. And you're thinking, he's rich or he's got money. He's got jobs. He don't need this little job. You should never be thinking in the perspective of the owner, the person that's paying you. Okay. Should never think uh, from what their mentality is because you don't know what their mentality is. And so first and foremost, I always tell anybody that's going to do some side work, go on and tell their boss. Now, you can do it and hope you don't get caught. Okay? That's up to you. But I'm just giving you my perspective is it's much easier to go to them and say, hey, I've got this opportunity to make a little bit of side money. And I'm not going to use your truck. I'm not going to use your equipment. I'm not going to use your material. Because, again, if I'm the owner... And I find out you did a job on the side and make it worse. I find out you used my truck. If I find out you used my equipment or anything that I bought for you without me knowing about it, I'm going to be upset. So I used to always tell my people, I was like, look, I'm not one to stop. I can't tell you. I can't be your daddy. I can't tell you that you don't have a license as a contractor. I can't tell you you don't have insurance. I can't tell you that you don't have uh, proper licensing. I can't tell you the liability. You're a big boy or girl, you do what you want, but don't drag me into it. And what I mean by that is when I have a license and I have insurances and I pay my taxes and I pay your taxes, the portion that I have to pay and meet. And in many cases, I have to pay workers compensation. When I do all that, I need to be paid so that I can keep you working. So you're technically taking money out of my pocket. Now, The good news here is if you tell somebody, tell the boss, then he might say, eh, that's fine. That's small potatoes for what we do. Maybe that little addition is not that big a deal. Or it might be a big deal. Or for some owners, it might be principle, all about the principle of the matter, right? So definitely determine whether or not you should tell your boss. And I always tell people, if you've got that scary feeling that you shouldn't tell your boss, or your owner, because he might not like it, there's a good chance he might not like it or she might not like it. And again, do you want to risk your long-term perspective for your short-term gain? I don't. It's not worth it. Um, So everybody's in the open. Next thing let's talk about, and it's what Daniel stated. Next thing on my agenda is liability. Now, it could be for a family member. Now, I have seen cases where good friends have turned bad, okay? Because once they they did something and somebody wasn't happy and all of a sudden a good relationship just turned bad, okay? That's one side point of it. But when we're talking liability is that when something goes wrong, the last people that put their hand on something is typically the people that's going to actually get blamed for it. So I don't know how many times I've been in a project where somebody's been in it and they might not have done nothing, but they were there. And I hear this stuff all the time in the positions that I'm in. And somebody says, well, it was working fine before Joe touched it, right? So before Joe touched it, everything was going good. But then all of a sudden Joe was there and Joe didn't touch a thing, okay? But something goes wrong. Guess who they're going to blame? You, you were the last one there, or you were there, and it was working fine before you touched it. Everything was fine. Another thing about liability. You can't control as an electrician. Again, I'm not being Debbie Downer. I'm just giving you the points. You can't control what the plumber does, the mechanical does, the finisher does, the framer does. What if they drive nails through the wire? What if they drive uh, uh, siding nails through it? What if they cut it when they're trying to put the plumbing in or, or the mechanical duct gets put in and cuts your... And all of a sudden, the fire starts. Then it comes back that you did not have a license. Now, you're saying, well, I do have a license. I'm an electrician. Yeah, but you don't have a contractor's license. You have a tradesman's license. Just because you have the license to do something doesn't mean you have the overall license to actually do it. You can do it for other people, but you can't necessarily do it for yourself. Now, it's not that you can't do it. You've got the skills to do it. That's not the question. 
The question is liability. And in today's world, people are suing people over anything. Anything. Now, if you want to help out a friend, hang a light, hang a ceiling fan. I think Daniel stated, you know, didn't charge anything. That's fine because an owner can pull their own permits. An owner can do all this type of stuff. Okay. They can hang luminaires. They can ceiling fans or whatever like that. No permits needed for that inside the house if they want to do that. Okay. But always be careful even helping friends because let's just say Johnny's my friend. And Johnny calls me over, and he wants to hang a ceiling fan in the, be- in the bedroom. And I get there, and I notice that that is not a fan box. It's not designed to support the weight. So what do you do? Do you tug it a little bit? It seems rigid enough. You go, you look this way. You look that way. Ain't nobody watching you. Do you put the ceiling fan in? And what happens if it falls? Your best friend turns into your worst nightmare. You lose a friendship for one, okay? You lost that for one. And then secondly, let's just say the ceiling fan fell down onto the baby's crib. And you were just helping a friend, okay? So even when I do help a friend, and let's say I'm not going to charge for it, I'm just helping a friend, it's still got to be code compliant, every bit of it. It's got to have the right box put in. I don't care. They're like, oh, man, that's going to cost it. Doesn't matter. If you want it in, if you want it there, it's going to be done right. That's helping a friend. That's not side work. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Okay, not side work. Now, let's kind of get back to the liability thing. Any time that you touch electrical work and you do it for somebody else and you're going to get paid for it, you have liability. That's an income. That's a profit. You're supposed to pay taxes on it. Eh, no, you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you get cash. I don't know your business practice. But anyway, there's liabilities for if something happens. You don't have a contractor's license. Let me give you an example of what's going to happen in the state of Texas. Not every state's the same, but in the state of, state of Texas. You have two individuals. One guy's named Jerry Daniels. And the other guy's name is Larry Riker. They are going to come after you. And they are going to prosecute you. And you will lose your license. And they will not stop until they're relentless. I know these gentlemen. Wonderful gentlemen. But they take this very seriously. And I would imagine every state's the same way. Okay? They do not like people working without licenses. Now, again, you might have an electrician's license. Might even have a master electrician's license, but you don't have a contractor's license, okay? It's different. Now, liability, anytime you touch something, you're liable, okay? So over in the podcast, over in the video, which I encourage you to come on over to youtube.com forward slash master the NEC because we have people chiming in, and Kevin says, I had an HVAC guy drive a staple into the wire of mine, I'm just thankful I found it before they closed up the walls. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I could go on my little, you know, my little soapbox about AFCIs, but uh, I won't today because I don't believe you're going to see that expansions for AFCIs in the next cycle are going to be coming again, and I'm not happy about it now. AFCIs have been around since 1999. And we don't even have any data that really says they work. I'm a big fan of AFCIs. But right now, it's time for the manufacturers to put up or shut up. Start showing me the data. Because the NFPA put out reports about fire incidents for wiring. And I did not see a reduction in it due to wiring. That's what AFCIs are supposed to protect against. So I am not shifting it. Many people out there know I'm a very much of an advocate for AFCIs. 
However, it's been 20 years now. 20 years. Manufacturers, don't just tell me that the product meets UL1699. It's now time for you to put up or shut up. Show me the data. Show me the numbers. Because now you're trying to expand AFCIs to cover everything in a dwelling, but now you want it to cover everything in an agricultural building, and you're going to start pushing it for offices in an agricultural building for the 2023 code. Where are we going to stop? Next thing you know, it's going to require AFCI on all branch circuits, period. And I am against that unless you can show me the data. So, hey, this is a shout-out. Shout-out to all of you manufacturers of AFCIs. It's time to put up or shut up. Paul said it. Okay? Put up or shut up. Don't just tell me it's compliant with 1699, and don't just tell me they save lives. I believe they work. I believe they work. Well, there, there is no AFCI main because you couldn't do it on a main. That was a question, folks. For over in the podcast, somebody says, what about an AFCI main? In the 2023 code that we're getting ready to go into in about five months, They're trying to get it past those final three places, bathrooms, garages, and basements, to have the circuits to be AFCI protected. Okay? Now, once that's done, the job is complete. All branch circuits in a dwelling will require AFCI protection. But that's not enough. Now they're going to move it to agricultural buildings and all of the dwellings that are on agricultural building. Now that's not enough. If there's an office... That's going to be in an agricultural building. The office brand circuits have to be AFCI. What that's doing is that's opening the door to require AFCI on all branch circuits. Okay? So, again, I am telling manufacturers it's time to stop pushing AFCIs until you show me the data. Show me the proof. Okay? All right, enough of that. I got off topic. Sorry. That's a little... I saw some of the proposals that are coming out of NEMA, and, and it, it, it got me upset. I'm like, you're pushing stuff that we'd have no data. We've given you 20 years now, and I've been a staunch supporter of AFCIs, and I still support them. But don't keep expanding them and pushing them down our throat if you don't show me the data. Enough of that crap. We should reject every one of the AFCI expansions from this point on until the manufacturers show us actual data. Okay? Sorry. That's how I feel. All right. Now, let me get back to my topic. So liability. Sorry, I got off my soapbox, folks. Yes, Rombo, it is. A lot of that is about the money. All right? Now, tell us how you feel about it. I'm sorry, Joe. Hey, everybody knows that I support AFCIs. I believe they work but they work really good in a lab environment. I need you to show me data. I would expect to see NFPA data for fires. I would have expected to see the wiring fires really low. And the data that came out from NFPA is not that great. Okay? Not that great. Okay? So, again, that's uh, one of those things where I'm a little... Anyway, so let's get back to topic. I'm sorry. Maybe that's another great show. We'll do one on that. Um... So let's talk uh, liability. Do you really want the liability of doing the side work? If you get sued, if something happens, don't go running back to your owner because you're not working off of their license. You don't have a contractor's license. So you might say, hey, I'm perfect. I never make a mistake. I run everything just beautiful. I bore all my holes in the center of the studs. I always maintain an inch and a quarter. I don't do anything wrong. I never drive my staples more than just barely touching the NM so that it's not too tight. Again, you ain't got to drive those things so you drive the NMB into the wood, folks. All you got to do is just drive it enough to hold it in place. That's it. Um, So, but when something does happen, is it worth the liability? Because they're going to sue you. And you can't win. You can say I installed it properly all you want. It was somebody else. Take it from me who's been on the side of the expert witness for lawsuits. All I have to do is find out whether you did something wrong or not. You could be golden innocent. But if I find out that you did not have a license, then I'm going to talk to the people, prosecutors, and I'm going to go after you and say, we can't assume he did anything right. The man is not a licensed contractor. And you don't have any chance. Because that's how I roll. That's how I would go after you as the expert witness. 
I look for all the weaknesses, okay? That's probably why they like to hire me for that kind of crap because I've been held in contempt of court twice uh, in some death cases uh, to get my point across. Luckily, the judge ended up removing those, (laughs) thank God. But when the prosecutors asked me to go all balls out, I go for it, okay? And I called the the, the defendants. uh, Now, in this case, I was with the defendant. So I called the prosecutors, uh, the people that they were representing, um, I called them murderers, and the uh, judge didn't like that too much. Anyway, so liability, is it worth it? Now, let's move on to the next thing. Insurance. Insurance to protect you from errors and omissions or to protect you from liability due to something that you do wrong or something happens. Uh, God forbid the house burns down. You have no insurance. And insurance is cheap, mind you. Uh, my insurance for my electrical contracting business Cost me $25 a month. I use Next Insurance. Now, luckily, I don't ever have to make a claim, and so, you know, but that's affordable. So, insurance is affordable, but you can't get the insurance unless you're a contractor. And you can't get a contractor's license unless you got insurance. So, it works hand in hand. Okay? So, with my insurance, I feel protected in case I put something in and somebody else screws my stuff up. I'm going to follow the code. I am anal about code. But somebody else I can't control. Or better yet, what if you get a side job and you ask your helper to help you? And you can't keep your eyes on what the helper does. And the helper screws something up. Then what? You're the one that took the job. You're the one that's in agreements with. everything's that you're supposed to do. Then what? You're the one that's going to be liable. And if there's an accident, you have no insurance that's going to cover it. Now, uh, I talked with, uh, again, the individual actually who's going to be an interesting topic. I talked with the individual that's going to be my new co-host, in case y'all haven't heard yet. And I will go on and share his name for y'all now since we're in the show about halfway in. Uh, Y'all are probably familiar with Jay Grundberg, who's been in here before. Who is in our? It was in, went through our fast track program. Owns his own electrical contracting business. Um, I had uh, about fifteen applicants to join me at the uh, as a co host for this show starting next week, and uh, we still have to test do some system testing. So I hope I don't jinx that. And uh, I decided to select Jay uh, because I like the banter with Jay. I think he'll bring a good perspective to the show. He's been through the training. He's been through that program. Um, what he doesn't know yet is I'm going to give him uh, access to the CMECP program so he can study to be a CMECP. He doesn't know that yet. Um, and he'll be able to get immersed in that program as being a co-host. And also, he owns his own contracting business, so we can have some good discussions about products, different things that he uses, some product reviews. Uh, we're going to have some really good discussions. So, I think it'll be a neat show moving forward where we have two people bantering it out, and uh, I think that'll uh, I think it'll be interesting. Does he know? Yeah, he knows. <laughs> yeah, he knows. So those over the podcast, uh, one of our listeners uh, watchers over on the YouTube says he does know. Yeah, he does know. And I talked to him during the week. And uh, he had to go out and buy a headset with the mic and all because I'm real picky about the audio and how everything has to be. So he's getting all that up to speed. So, yeah, he's, I think he's excited uh, to do it. And uh, I'll help him any way I can. But I think he'll be a good addition to the show. I've got a lot of things planned for future Electrician Live shows, even some live remote stuff. So get excited. Share it with everybody. I think it's going to be something great. We're only six months in, so I'm very pleased with where we're at with it. Um, so anyway, let's get back to the topic. Man, I'm easily swayed off topic. All right, so next thing is properly licenses. Just because you're a master electrician and you have the skills, or whether you're a journeyman and you have the skills, uh, I have known apprentices to take side work because they know that, that people that ask them to do it, they work for cheap. And they're like, hey, you work for this guy. Can you come over and add a couple circuits to my house or to my garage or whatever like that? And the apprentice says, I do this every day. Yeah, I'll do it. And then they go do it. 
Ain't nothing worse than ruining a career than have something go wrong and you only be a apprentice or a helper. Okay? You're not ready. The money might look good, but you're not ready. Now, if you want to go work with, the, with somebody in their home, their friend, and maybe they're putting in a receptacle because they're putting in a new grill. For example, for those that don't know, I got a new grill coming, a Rectech 700 because I like to smoke meat. So if I had to put a receptacle in and I knew an electrician friend, I'd be like, hey, can you come put this receptacle in for me? He might say, yeah, I'll come in and do it for you. If he's doing it for free, he's doing it because he's a friend. I'll take responsibility because I'm the owner of the house. He's helping me out, okay? Because I would expect the apprentice to deny everything, <laughs> you know? If something happens, he's going to say, I don't know nothing. I ain't help you. I ain't do nothing, okay? You know? He's going to bail on you quickly, okay? But if you're a master electrician and you're a uh, master electrician or you're uh, a journeyman electrician and you want to do some work, okay, um, then remember, you're licensed to work for a contractor. You are not licensed to work for yourself, okay? You have to have the insurance. You have to, to have the proper license to do it. It's not a matter of whether you can do it or not. Now, I get it again. I have people that call me and say, hey, Paul, I had an opportunity to do a $4,000 generator set up, residential generator, and I, I do this for the day, so this is no big deal. I'll just do it on a weekend. You do whatever you want to do. Just remember, the moment that something goes wrong or something happens, okay, you're going to be liable for it. And you don't have any insurances, and your owner of the company you work for from the 9 to 5 or your whatever you work for during the day, they're not going to bail you out. At least I wouldn't bail you out. Now, Jay said something interesting. Jay said he might let somebody do the work. So if you ask him, he might let you do it. And he shocked me. He said, I might even let them do it under my license. So I will take responsibility. That's where we disagreed. And that's going to be great for the show because I told Jay, you don't have to agree with everything I say. I enjoy a good banter. I enjoy a good disagreement. But in this case, he said that he would let the guy do it under his license, but he's going to want a cut of it, a cut of the work. Well, there's usually a reason why the person doing the side work doesn't tell the boss. Because he doesn't want to give them anything. Okay? But if you're going to use my tools, maybe my truck, if you have a truck you take home, my equipment, uh uh-uh. I want a cut of it is what Jay said. And then I want... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Let you do it under my name, but I want to cut. And I said, that's great. I disagree because I would tell somebody if they wanted to do side work, do it. Just as it has nothing to do with me. Okay, because I can't watch it. I can't control it. I can't be in there to make sure it's done right. I don't want nothing to do with it. Jay is okay with it. Maybe it's because... He knows his people, and the guy that's got the side work, you know, might know his crap. He might be good. He might be really good. 
and Jay's got no worries about it. Okay. Then that's perfectly, perfectly fine. That's, everybody's different. For me, when people came to me and asked me about side work, I always looked at them and said, I don't care as long as it doesn't take away from what we do on our work. Okay, I don't want you doing a side job on Saturday and Sunday and then call in sick on Monday because you one or two tired because you worked your butt off to try to finish it because you didn't budget your time right. Don't let it affect my job and you work you do for me. You do what you want. And I just said, don't use my material. I don't care if you use the truck. I don't care if you, you know, I said, but don't use my material. Don't use my wire. Don't use my stuff for you. But you can do what you want to do. I am grateful that you at least came to me and told me, okay? Because if I found somebody doing side work that I didn't know about, um, then we would have a problem. But see how me and Jay are different? That's going to be great because Jay doesn't have a problem with it as long as he knew about it and you cut it with him. He gets some of the money. I don't want none of the money because that means I have something tied to it. Liability, uh, using my license. I don't want nothing to do with it, okay? But Jay knows the person and he might be okay with it. Everybody's different. And that just that's the whole purpose of this show was to be able to see how you think that you would deal with the application if somebody else did the work. Now, over in our video where we're having it, for those that are on the podcast, if you want to come over to the stream, and by chance you're listening to this after the episode runs on July 11th, you always can go over and listen to the rebroadcast over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash master the NEC. It'll be playing there for you to watch at a later date. Uh, Now, over in the video, we have uh, Daniel said, best idea is when someone asks you what to do, say garbage man or poet, but never say electrician. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) with other people that your friends are yours? Yeah, that's right. Because the moment they ask you what you do and you say you're an electrician, they're going to say, oh, great. I had this circuit I need wired. I need a receptacles. I need my basement finished and that type of thing. So... No, just, yeah, I get it. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a poet. <laughs> or I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a garbage man. You don't want to know what I do. <laughs> All right, so back to topic. You don't have the licenses to do the work. You have the ability to do the work. You don't have the licenses to do the work, okay? So you're taking on some liability. Doesn't mean you can't do the work. But, okay, now, you could go to your boss and say, I've got this opportunity to do an addition, the whole addition. Okay. And maybe the company you work for doesn't really get into those things, doesn't really have time to to do the additions. Maybe they just do commercial work. And this is a residential thing. And you say to him, I got this job. I can get it on the weekend. I'm going to do it on the weekend. It's not going to be in your time. Do you have a problem with it? Most bosses will say, no, I ain't got no problem with it. I would say the same thing. But I would make it very clear, I'm not responsible for anything. And as long as it does not affect what you do for me Monday through Friday. Other than that, I don't care at all. Okay? That's the kind of relationship I have. For example, people ask me all the time with Encore Wire. I am heavy Encore Wire Monday through Friday. Okay? From 8 a.m. in the morning till 5 p.m., I am Encore Wire fighting battles all over the country, everything for Uncle Wire. After that, that's my time. On weekends, my time. During the day, I have people that work for me. Brittany, Zach, Jeff, Darlene. Brittany sends out my, uh, does my posts on my social media. You think it's me, but it's, most of the time it's Brittany. And Jeff it, it works on answering questions uh, that are uncode related. Uh, and uh, they use my accounts. Um, I trust them like family. Um, and uh, Zach administers the CMECP program and, and the administers the uh, courses. And Brittany's the one that issues the keys. So I have people doing that that allows me to do my first commitment so that I can even create Electrical Code Academy. In order to be able to make that commitment, I have people that help me out. So when people donate or buy courses, that's to really to, to, to make sure the people that work for me get paid and that we can do what we do. 
Okay? That's why you see us talk about donations because it does help. Uh, for example, um, tonight, anybody that donates to the Super Chat, and Ronbo is donated tonight, um, but anybody that donates tonight will go in a drawing at the end of the night for one of our uh, pins. Uh, well, I say pin. One of our screwdrivers. Of course, you can donate on our website, masterthenec.com. Down at the bottom, you can donate $25. Uh, we will send this to you. I tell you, it costs five bucks to send the thing, uh, and in the cost of the screwdriver. But it is neat because it's got eight bits and it's magnetized, and it's just a neat. It's got our name on the side of it, and it's just a neat screwdriver. It's got a bunch of Phillips and flatheads uh, in here, so it's pretty neat. But this is how we're doing some donations for those that want to donate. Uh, but we're giving away one every week, all right? And on Electrician Live for those that donate during the live stream. So they'll go in the pot. Right now, I think, Ronbo, you're the only one that's donated, so you're already at the top of the list. So I'll let you know when we're done. And, again, you'll get this. And if you donate, you get a drawing, or you can go to the website if you want to donate to help us out. Feel free to do that. All right. So properly licensed. Now, let's move on beyond that. Let's get to the real reality. Is it worth it? If I'm an electrician and I'm making, and I don't know the rates for most people today, if I'm making anywhere from $35 to $65 an hour, it's a range there, and I'm going to take a project that might be an addition or a little basement or a shed or somebody's whatever, the amount of money that I'm going to make on that, is it worth losing my full-time job? Okay? Is it worth it? And you start doing the math, it isn't. You might need instant cash right now. So my advice to you is if you really want to do it, really want to do it, go to your boss and say, I have this opportunity to make a little side money. I need it. Are you okay with it? They can either say yes or no. And you can also butter that up by saying, look, I won't do it. I won't, it won't be on our time. I won't use material. I, I, I'm going to do this totally on the side on a weekend or in the evenings. Or it's going to not going to affect my work. Great. The owner's liable to say, absolutely. Go for it. Go for it. Now, if you're paranoid, you're going to get in trouble because like, you don't have the license and everything like that. There's a couple ways that you could approach it. First thing you could say is to the person that has the problem, and I'm trying to help you now because there's some people that are going to do this anyway. So I'm going to help you a little bit. Not that this is right, but I'm going to help you a little bit. You could say to the owner or whoever wants you to do the work to say, you know what, you need to pull the permits. If you pull all the permits and you help me wire it, because whether you clean up for me or do something in the process, and as long as you understand that, you're pulling the permits, I'm just helping you, okay? Then, again, you're still getting paid, so that's still a bit, mm, but they need to know up front they're taking all the responsibility. Now, again, when something happens and crap hits the fan, they're going to forget that conversation, I guarantee you. People have short-term memories when something happens. You burn down... Uh, Eddie just donated in, uh, wow, Eddie donated $25. Uh, Eddie, you get one automatically, okay? You did it instead of doing it on the website. So, Eddie, you're getting one automatically. All right, so, at the end of the day, make sure that you... Go and, and understand what's at stake here if you want to take on some of that side work. You need to put that, like, like Daniel says, you need to put that liability on them. But again, Daniel, you as well as I know that if something happens, that short-term memory kicks in. And if they, if they lose their house or they lose something of theirs, they're going to swear that y'all never had that agreement and that they trusted you. They're going to say that they thought you were licensed, that they thought you had a contractor's license. They're going to say all of that. So because we know this, amnesia, yeah, they're going to get instant amnesia. But because we know this, 
The one way to semi-protect yourself is, again, make them pull the permit. Now, they might say, well, we can do the work without permits. Well, first of all, you never want to wire anything without that, that requires a permit to do it without a permit because at some point they're going to sell that property and somebody's going to do a search to see whether or not proper permits were pulled. That is going to come back to bite you in the butt as well if they research it and try to find out from the previous owner who hired you to do it and they are trying to go after them because they didn't have permits and they finished off the walls now they got an issue. They're going to throw you under the bus, and now they're going to share the name with the with the uh, municipality, and they're going to share it with the state. And guess what? Somebody's going to come knocking on your door, and you're going to forget that you did the wiring. You're going to forget you did it. But down the road, somebody buys a house. Inspector comes in, notice it it hasn't been permitted. And then the chain of events is going to take place. I have seen it happen. Okay, uh, I did a lot of time training home inspectors uh, for years. Wrote quite a, you know, a couple books for home inspectors, and I can tell you right now, part of their job is to ferret out whether or not stuff was permitted or not permitted, and and look through that stuff. And uh, it can happen, and I hate to see it happen to any of you. So again, take all these things into consideration. Now. Really, is it worth it? Now, the last thing that I think I talk about here is taking the money, okay, taking money out of your boss's pocket. And I am amazed that, again, Ron Bo has donated again. Ron, you must really be liking this show. He's donated another 20 and another 5. Thanks, Rombo. There is no drawing tonight, Rombo. You get one of these, too. So, uh, okay, send me your address and everything. And I think I have yours, Eddie. Uh, send me your address. I'll send you one of these. Um, so, um, now, let's talk a little bit about some of the states that um, don't have licensing requirements. So, Daniel brings up Pennsylvania. They have no licensing requirements. Okay, so now if you're in a state, now here's the difference. Do they have no electrician licensing requirement or no contractor's license requirement? Because I have a hard time believing that they're not wanting their money somewhere. Whether they're not licensing their inspectors, I believe they do, but they do on a local basis, not on a statewide basis. So from my understanding in PA... They do everything from a local basis. And so if that's the case, you have to go in and uh, get it locally, regionally, uh, area, city, or whatever, but you still would need something, some type of license to do the work, okay? So, again, I am not, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but I always tell people when you're going to take on side work, the first thing I would do, let's kind of do a recap, and then I'll get you to the, my last one, which is what I call friend versus stranger. So ask your boss. See what they say about it. If they okay, give you the green light. Weigh whether or not the liability is up here or not. Maybe it's just simply adding a receptacle somewhere. Maybe the liability is so low, and we trust the overcurrent protective device. We trust everything. Maybe we do it right. Okay. You're going to have to look at it. Insurance. You're not going to have insurance. They're going to have homeowner's insurance. But I can guarantee you if something happens and they file a claim, and they file a claim, then somebody is going to come after you. The homeowner, they're going to get subrogation, or somebody's going to come after somebody. Okay? So you don't have insurance. Just remember that. Engage the amount of work you're doing. Okay? Maybe it's something you feel comfortable you don't need it. You know, you can say, Paul, you're a worrywart. Okay, maybe. And maybe you've just been lucky. The next, do you have the proper licenses? If a license is even required. But remember, there's a difference between electrician's license and a contractor's license. Two different things. Okay? I can be licensed as an electrician all day long, but that doesn't allow me to do work. Texas, for example. I got a master's electrician's license, but I also have a contractor's license. And the contractor's license is... I can't become a contractor unless I have the master's license. Once I have the master's license, then I can become a contractor, and that allows me to do the work. The master's license only allows me 
to work for somebody else. That's it, okay? Oh, yeah, Daniel makes a good point. Um, so I'll, it's, I'll bring you, give you an example. So let's say you, wire, you did something in a house, and then there's a surge, or there's a fire, or there's lightning strike, or there's something that happens. The first thing that they're going to be asked, now even if the, the, uh, it comes from nature, the owner, right, the owner is going to say, okay, I just had so-and-so do some electrical work. Oh, you did, did you? Well, it was by lightning. Oh, but it's an electrical fire. So I'm going to file a claim on my homeowner's policy, right? Because you didn't have insurance and it had nothing to do with you. The homeowners are going to want to know, the homeowner insurance is going to want to know what work was recently done. And if by chance, and I've only had this happen to me once, where I had a subrogate of the insurance, uh, I think it was Allstate, that contacted me as an expert, and it was in Virginia, and I went and found that there was issues with the house wiring, and they said that they had some electrical work done, and an electrician was out there. Well, they asked me, should the electrician have found the faulty, the, the, the improper grounding and the fact that there was no grounding electrode there or anything? And my answer was, yes, he should have, but it was past inspection. It was done at a later date. They said, I don't want to know that. All I want to know is, in the state of Virginia, the law reads for electricians, if I walk into something and I see that it's code violation, I am required to either fix it or let the owner know about it. That's a law in Virginia, not in every state. So again, when people say that you go into a job and every state's different, you go into a job and put blinders on and you only look at what they paid you to do, but you notice some really bad wiring over here or an improper installation, well, you're not supposed to go in with blinders on. If you see it and you know it, you're supposed to either fix it or tell the owner about it so that it can be fixed. Not every state does that, okay? But in Virginia, there is a rule that states that, and it's buried very deeply in the requirements of licensure. It's the licensure requirement. It's their ethics requirement, okay? Not every state's like that, okay? So my point is, I'm the last one that touched it, and something happened that was out of my control. I might be the one they sue. Let me give you another perspective. Maybe I get a call in the middle of the night. And somebody says, or not in the middle of the night, it's a bad example, in the middle of the day, and somebody says, I want to put a lightning suppressor on an SPRO, which I recommend on all services, by the way. It's not like the AFC. I think I recommend a search protected devices, and the code's going to require it in 2020 anyway for one and two family dwelling applications or dwelling units. You probably watched my Siemens show a couple weeks ago. It's going to be required anyway. So it's some good money for electricians today to actually go out there and try to promote putting SPROs, uh, surge-protected devices, SPDs, putting them on services. It's not selling snake oil. They legitimately work, and they're designed to work. But let's say you get called to put one on, and you're not licensed, and you install it, and you didn't install it right. You had too many loops in it. You didn't go straight line or you didn't install it in accordance with the code. Something went wrong and it did not function like it's supposed to. And now they call out somebody and they look at it and you know they will. I work for a manufacturer, okay? So anytime there's an issue or lawsuit, we have to go look at it. And I can find errors in almost anything. I found many, many calculations that were done wrong that they wanted to blame wiring cable and end up being a calculation to totally make it go away. We're talking millions of dollars worth of lawsuits that just go away because I was able to look at something to determine that it was installed incorrectly. I'm going to leave no stone unturned, okay? And that's what you should expect from somebody that does legal stuff like that. They're going to come and look at it. Well, I'm going to tell you this. If I notice because something burned up and it burned everything up and now the insurance doesn't want to pay out, I'm going to find out whether or not it was installed correctly. I can tell by the length of the wire, how you installed it, where it's located, what the code says. If I can put an ounce of blame on the electrician for my client, then I'm going to do it because that's just how it works. Okay? Some people say, Paul, how could you do that to your own electrician? No. 
I will throw an electrician under the bus in a heartbeat if you're doing things improperly. So if I saw a question that somebody wrote a couple back and I kind of missed it, and I apologize it uh, that I missed it, but somebody wrote in here, and I'm going to read it, and I want to make sure that I answer it. And I think somebody said, would I turn somebody in? Okay. It said, well, I think it's, it said something, something in here. Oh, should you turn people in? Eddie wrote. Okay. Look. Okay. So I am not going to go out of my way. Hey, what's up, Caleb? Thanks for coming to the stream. I am not going to go out of my way to turn somebody in. I usually go out of my way to educate them. However, I'm going to give you one example. You ready? State of Texas. Out in the county, you're not required to have permits to do electrical work. Still got to have a license because you're in the state of Texas. But you don't have to pull permits to do it. So there's no inspections. Well, I do inspections uh, for different locations uh, in, the, uh, in the county. They'll call me in. And they'll call me in and say, Paul, I need you to do the inspection because we're not sure this electrical contractor did it right. Okay, I'll go do an inspection for you. And the last one I did was over 100 violations. Okay, serious violations. When we brought this up to the electrical contractor, his response was, I don't need a permit, I'm doing it in the county. And my response is, no, that's not how it works. You're doing it in the state of Texas. Texas requires a license. It doesn't care, and it requires you to do it in, order, in accordance with the code, whether somebody's watching you or not. Okay? That's the rule in Texas, and it's like that in every state that has licensure. So I looked at him. At first, he didn't know who I was, and I said, first of all, I said, I need you to Google me first, and then I need you to fix everything on this list. He goes, what if I don't fix it? I said, Do me a favor. Just Google me and think about it overnight, and I'll talk to you tomorrow because my client needs these things fixed. So he said, okay. And the next day, he called me up, and he said, Paul, hypothetically, what would you do if I didn't do this? And I said, I'd make one phone call to the state of Texas. I would call Jerry Daniels or Larry Riker, and I said, you would lose your license. And I would make sure they came after you because I don't want anybody practicing in my state that is not doing it in accordance with the minimum, the minimum safety standard. You are not. You are not doing these things in a minimum safety standard. It's black and white in the code. He said, I thought that's what you'd say, Mr. Abernathy. I will have everything fixed tomorrow. Then we have no problems. The guy literally fixed everything. It took him quite a while because one of the things he did is he did not he did not put the receptacles on the countertop. He put the receptacles up in the cabinet because the way it was being finished, he had boxes up there. He just didn't want to. So he was not going to put any receptacles on the countertop. I mean, it's just an example. And I said, you can't go higher than 20 inches and you can't put them in the cabinet. Now, if you want to put extra ones in the cabinet, fine. But you can't put the ones that serve the countertop in in the cabinet. So he had to go through and cut them all down and put them down on the counter like they're supposed to be. It's just not going to fly. That's just one example. There was tons of other, other things. But ultimately, he had to fix them. Code is a, a minimum safety standard, whether you like it or not. It is a minimum standard. Minimum. That's why I teach people when people give me a hard time about code and they say, oh, Paul's a code guy. He can't do it anymore. So now he teaches code. You know what? Anybody wants to challenge me and you're in the Texas area and you've got a wiring to do, I got the tools. I will strap it on. I will get my fat butt out there and you will be surprised that I still work with these hands. I was an electrician, started companies, I work with my hands. I can pull wire and cut in boxes and do everything with the best of them. Don't think you're anything special. We're all special. We're all electricians. We should be very proud of that. 
But the moment that you do stuff that's below par, then you've lost all of my respect. And it's hard to get it back. Trust me. Do it right the first time. Do what's right when nobody's looking. So, wrap this thing up. My last one was friend or stranger. Remember, somebody asked you to do some side work and you choose to do it, they might be your friend, but make sure they're not a stranger. Because the first thing that happens is a friend will turn into a stranger if something happens that they're not happy with. Okay? I've seen more friendships break up because of something go on between some work that was done between each other. Okay? And if it's a stranger... Be careful. They have no connection to you. The moment that something's not right, let me give it to you this way. Let me give it to you this way, and this happens. This has happened. I've been involved in this one time helping a guy out uh, when he told me about it, and I tried to help him out. If you do work for somebody on the side, and it gets done, and now you want to get paid, and they were a stranger, and now they decide they don't want to pay you, They ain't got to pay you because you did work without a license. You didn't have insurance. You didn't have permits. And you say, I'm going to sue you because I did all this work. I bought all this material and you didn't pay me. Well, this happened. And the owner said, I ain't paying you nothing. You didn't have a permit. You didn't have this. I asked you to do the work for me. I assumed you were going to get a permit. I assumed you had the ability to do it. He thought he was doing a favor or doing something for a friend for a friend who had a friend who needed something done. But at the end of the day, the owner stuck him, stuck him with the bill, wouldn't pay him. And I tried to get involved to help try to get the guy paid. But the owner said, I ain't paying him. And you know what? All that owner's got to do is make one phone call on all the websites for licensure. It only takes one inquiry on those websites to start an investigation on the contractor, to start an investigation on an electrician. So be very careful, very careful when you start to do side work. So wrapping it up, checklist. Ask your boss, see if they're okay with it. Hey, you might get lucky. The boss might even say he'll let you do it under his license. You know, like Jay said, you know. Might be. Liability. You're always going to have liability when you're doing side work. Always. You can't get rid of it. You're always going to have it. You just got to pray for the best if you want to do it. Insurance. You won't have insurance. You can't rest on the fact that they have homeowner's insurance because subrogation is going to come after you anyway. So, you don't, and you can't get insurance because you don't have a contractor's license. Number four. Properly licenses. You don't have a contractor's license. You just have a tradesman's license. Okay? There's a difference. Okay? Number five. Is it worth it if I don't tell my boss? What happens if my boss takes offense to me doing side work? Could I lose my full-time job for some quick buck? Think about it. Is it worth it? I say be up front and tell your boss right up front. Probably have no problem with it. But, you know, right up front, be open and honest about it, okay? And then gauge the work. Gauge the work. If it's just adding one receptacle, if it's helping a friend put a luminary in, or it just, then, you know, the liability is pretty low. But if it's something serious like wiring a full basement where you got to do a rough in and you got to do a trim out or, or things like that, then, uh, okay, be, just be very careful. That's the best I can say. Okay? So uh, that's pretty much it for the show tonight. Um, for those that are in the video chat, the video on YouTube, hang in there. Uh, I'm going to come right back. For those that are over on the podcast, I'm going to end the podcast right now. But stick around and I'll answer some questions over on the YouTube stream. Again, for you that are in the podcast, that's incentive for you to join us every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward master the NEC, so you can chime in and make comments and ask questions and things like that. So, again, so those of you over on the YouTube channel, hang out for a second. For you that are in listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. Until next time, stay safe. God bless.
You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.